Star Wars 7x7 episode 2892. Oh boy, now we are fully caught up on the Kenobi series. We were talking about part three today. And of course it doesn't have a title, it's like the other two. So we are calling this episode internally, not the face, punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So let's do this in a similar 7 highlight format as we've done the previous two episodes of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And we'll start out with a conversation that is also sort of a rhyming thing like I was talking about in the previous episode. And in this particular case, it's the question that Leia asks Obi-Wan about using the force and he has to say that's not how the force works or a variant thereof which of course echoes what happens with Han and Finn in The Force Awakens. So we'll start with another rhyming situation. This is a particular thing that happens in The Force Awakens when Han and Finn get in an argument about the force and that whole that's not how the force works situation. Well something similar happens here when Leia asks for the transport ship to go faster and can't you use the force to make it go faster and Obi-Wan has to say yeah that's not how it works but she actually asks him how it does work and instead of actually trying to explain it in a way where she might be able to connect with it herself he just gives her like a different kind of analogy to you know help her get an idea of the understanding and I do think that that's gonna open up a conversation that we might want to have at a greater length about Leia. And so I think probably what we're going to be doing is a couple of episodes where we dig deeper into topics introduced by each of these three parts so far. The second thing I'll flag is that it seems as though Obi-Wan's being affected by the dark side of the force only happens in and around Vader. So something that happens in this episode a couple of times is that he just gets this like weird sort of vertigo-y kind of situation and he has a vision of a messed up Anakin in Jedi robes and then he actually you know is looking out on the darkened street and sees Inquisitors but it's not until Vader shows up around the corner that it then you know becomes a major situation for him. So, yeah, I was thinking back on part one of this when there were Inquisitors, the fifth brother and the third sister were in the street there, right where Obi-Wan was nearby with his Eopi and he was hiding back in the shadows, but he certainly wasn't having the same sort of vertigo-ish negative effect. Like he wasn't having any sort of negative effect at all with the fifth brother and third sister nearby. So it's definitely nothing to do with them. It is specifically about his connection to Vader. So now, of course, I'm wondering if we're getting some sort of similar dyad in the Force kind of vibes, the same way that Kylo and Rey have their dyad in the Force dynamic. Certainly the two of them are very bonded in terms of their history, especially if Obi-Wan is going to be so deeply affected by Vader's attention and nearness. The third thing I'll flag for you is what I thought was an amazing conversation between Leia and Obi-Wan where Leia actually asks Obi-Wan if he is her real father. And 
that was just brilliant. And I almost don't understand Obi-Wan's answer where he says, like, as much as I'd like to say I am, I'm not. Like, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that he actually had a thing for Padme himself? Probably not. Probably it's more likely what he means is that he just thinks so highly of Leia so far that you know, he wouldn't mind having a daughter like her. And you have to wonder how much he's thinking about Satine and the path not taken and that, you know, he could have had a daughter like her, for example, if he had chosen a, a different way of life. And we have another situation where he has the opportunity to say something about her natural, her biological parents, and yet does not specifically. So still maintaining the consistency that he showed in part two when faced with a you know similar opportunity where it came up and he could have said something about it, but chooses not to. <laughs> and especially so when she says, I, you know, occasionally I try to picture what my real dad must have been like. And of course, she doesn't know that her real dad is actually hunting for Obi-Wan Kenobi right at that very minute. For a fourth thing, I'll flag again that Obi-Wan continues to be calling out to Qui-Gon Jinn for advice. And once again, Qui-Gon is not answering, although we do get some voiceover things that are taken from the prequel trilogy directly between Qui-Gon and Yoda, but we're not actually getting Liam Neeson participating in this just yet, and I feel like it is actually going to happen, especially after the events of Star Wars Celebration, and in particular the Tales of the Jedi panel, where we found out that for the three Count Dooku stories, at least one of them, and I think more than one, but at least one of them is going to feature a Padawan Qui-Gon Jinn, and Liam Neeson is going to be voicing Qui-Gon Jinn in that animated series. So, you know, if they're getting him back for animation, you know, why wouldn't they also get him back for live action? It seems silly not for them to do so, especially if they're going to make a point of, you know, calling out in that, you know, montage that happened at the beginning of part one, like at the very end of it, they have the line about Yoda and, or Yoda talking to Obi-Wan, teaching you how to, you know, commune with your old master, right? So they've definitely set that up and they just haven't paid it off yet. But as we've seen so far, the series definitely has its share of purposeful setups and purposeful payoffs as well. For a fifth thing, we'll talk about Indira Varma showing up in this episode and what her deal is. And by the way, I didn't need to tell you this was a spoiler episode of the podcast, did I? And if I did, then sorry, yeah, but at least I haven't really gotten into the major reveals, but now we're about to get into them. So Indira turning out not just to be an Imperial officer, but somebody simply Sympathizing with people who need to escape from the Empire. It doesn't seem like there's a functioning rebellion just yet, but there is basically like a pipeline of people working together to help Jedi and other people of interest to the Empire disappear. It seems like they are just getting started, though, because she talks about how they're trying to link systems. They're referring to this as the path. And one of the people working on this is none other than Quinlan Voss. So now we are aware that the cowboy Jedi who we first met in the Clone Wars and who was such a prominent part of the Dark Disciple novel by Christy Golden, he has survived the events of Order 66 and then some because now he's occasionally working with Indira Varma's character Tala to help people get off of Mapuzo and toward another planet entirely where they're going to get new identities and be able to disappear. 
Now, this could just be a setup for fans of the Clone Wars, or it could be a setup for the series where we might actually get Quinlan Voss. There are still some characters, um, some actors, I should say, who have not appeared in the series, but who were originally announced as being in the series. And so it's possible, possible, but I have a feeling this might sit on the level of a deep cut kind of situation more than anything else. All right, for six and seven, we're gonna talk about, you know, the big climactic stuff. One of them is just more of an administrative thing. So James Earl Jones is back as the voice of Darth Vader. And, you know, I don't necessarily know why they decided to you keep it quiet. <laughs> why they didn't just say, yeah, we got James Earl Jones. But you know, there's something in the credits that may suggest why that's the case. And I didn't know this until after I looked a little more closely at the credits. But one of the things that I had been thinking about as I had heard James Earl Jones delivering the dialogue over the course of the episode is that he sounds crisper and more energetic than he did in Rogue One. So of course he has, you know, lines of dialogue with director Krennic in Rogue One. And you know, between that and also his appearance in Star Wars Rebels, like it sounds as though you can start to hear the effects of his age. I mean, he's over 90 years old and still, you know, amazing, of course, but you know, time slows all of us down. And yet, and yet, here we are six years after Rogue One, not quite six years, five and change, five and a half, if you will. And his voice acting as Vader sounds like it's fresh. And so the thing that I eventually saw in the end credits is a reference to Respeacher, which is the same thing that had been employed to do Luke Skywalker's voice in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Now, I haven't seen anything that specifically says that, you know, James Earl Jones actually performed the voice and Respeacher just kind of cleaned it up and tweaked it a little bit, or whether it is totally auto-generated. But if it is totally auto-generated, then I will say it sounds definitely more in line with what we expect the voice to be as opposed to what they got out of the Luke Skywalker voice from The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. It sounds like they have actually made an iterative leap in terms of the actual vocal performance. So yeah, I just, I think there's more to be revealed about how that was created. But yeah, for our purposes, James Earl Jones sounds like a younger man once again. He sounds more like he did in the original trilogy than he did in, say, Rogue One. And last but not least, we'll talk about that fight sequence, which seems to confirm that there's going to be more than one fight sequence between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader slash Anakin in this series. That's something that had been rumored and speculated about for a while. Well, it certainly does seem like that's going to be the case because there's no way it can end with just that particular battle. <laughs> like They've got to have some other kind of confrontation here for sure. And I mean, I think we all want to see Obi-Wan and Reva get into some sort of lightsaber fight, and I'm sure that's going to be coming, but, you know, to have Darth Vader be in this and to, you know, not have them face off more than once, that seems like a rather silly proposition, so I definitely feel like we're going to see them face each other again. As for this particular battle, holy cow, the... <laughs> line from Kenobi saying, you know, what's become of you and Vader saying, I am what you made me. So yeah, we've been hearing that Vader has been looking for Kenobi for 10 years. He's been nurturing this resentment on top of every other, you know, pain and anger situation that he's been dealing with. 
He's clearly been looking forward to this moment for a long time and very much wants Obi-Wan to suffer, not that he wants to just kill him quickly. No, he wants Obi-Wan to suffer the way that Obi-Wan made him suffer. And so dropping him in the fire was rather dramatic to say the least. But then of course, <laughs> the the continuity brain kicks in and you're like, oh, if he's burning, like he can't get his face burned because Alec Guinness's face isn't burned in A New Hope. So whatever burn situations happen, like it has to happen below the neck because we only see Obi-Wan's head and neck and hands and that's all we see of his bare skin. So whatever fire damage is going to happen in this scene, it has to happen not on the face or the head or the hands. The thing I don't understand though, and I've always had this challenge, is just when people seem to make decisions, when either Jedi or Sith seem to make the decision that they're not going to be able to catch the other one, right? Like, I mean, the first episode, it was like, how did the fifth brother not catch Nari when he just knocked over a couple of awnings? Like, why did Nari get all the way out to the Dune Sea? Like, that just seems kind of crazy, especially since they came all this way to find Nari. Similar kind of situation, like, Vader has Obi-Wan in his grasp, and that, you know, fire situation that gets sparked up again, and he can see Obi-Wan through the fire, but he's, like, sitting there going, hmm, do I really want to pursue this? Do I need to pursue this? I could grab him or maybe I couldn't. Maybe the fire's preventing me from grabbing him somehow. Like the fact that he just decides to leave it be is so strange to me somehow. Like I just, but Jedi and Sith seem to do this sort of thing all the time. And I feel like, you know, when they talk about seeing the future, for example, like when Yoda talks about how always in motion the future is and you can't necessarily tell what's really going to happen and you can't necessarily trust what you're seeing. But it seems like the only explanation for why Jedi and Sith don't necessarily pursue each other in moments where it seems like they should continue to be pursuing each other because, you know, maybe they're just getting a vibe of the future or a vibe of, you know, fate or destiny or something like that. If in this moment, Darth Vader is like having a moment thinking this is not the last time I'm going to see Obi-Wan, I'm going to see him again very soon. Like if he gets that sensation about his future and Obi-Wan's future, then that kind of makes sense. It makes sense that he would you know, take the time to, you know, let him go and set up a different kind of a scenario and an encounter at a later date. This is, of course, you know, trying to retcon the logic of the situation, but it feels kind of right for me, at least. But I would love to hear what you think about that. Like, why didn't Vader chase him or, you know, try to reach through the fire with the force and grab him again or anything like that? Let me know on YouTube if you're watching the video version of this or at home base for the show at sw7x7.com if you're catching the audio version of the show. And that right there is going to do it for, you know, the seven highlights that I wanted to flag for you for this episode of the show. Just a couple of last notes. Um, that is Zach Braff who plays the little mole guy <laughs> in this particular episode, which is kind of fun because his cohort on Scrubs, Donald Faison, has done the voice of Hype Faison in Star Wars Resistance. So now we get Zach Braff as part of this franchise as well. There's also a you know, blinking, you'll miss it kind of moment where if you look around the edges of the Inquisitor's main meeting room, you'll see cases where there are what appear to be youngling helmets and a whole bunch of lightsabers. And it makes you wonder whether these are the 
trophies of the people that they've hunted down that they're keeping there and if so like then having youngling helmets there makes it really kind of a dark situation and i'll also say that i think they're setting up a situation where obi-wan kenobi is going to have to go into the heart of the inquisitorious fortress because it looks like reva is going to get leia and there's only one place <laughs> reva would go to you know draw obi-wan in and that would be to the inquisitorious fortress which would certainly be a heck of a place for Vader and Obi-Wan to have a last fight too, and would also be a great place for us to see Obi-Wan and Reva have it out too. Anyway, so there you go. That's what I've got for you about part three of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which we are referring to as not the face. <laughs> and that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and/or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.